Welcome to Source Not Found, a show about the worst versions of your favorite things. <sighs> and, and this is really one of the worst. Uh, every other week we explore an IP, franchise, or fandom by way of its sequels, spinoffs, and side projects. Basically anything but the source material. I'm Brandon June, and I am Sir Ben Kingsley's vacant stare. The, uh, the expression of someone who is being held against their will and has just sort of resigned himself to it. Oh man, I'm Bo Woodall. I'm Ben Kingsley's wig that I thought was supposed to be real hair, but I guess is just a wig. <laughs> how how did you narrow it down to just one wig? There are so many good wigs. Dude, I I honestly did not know there were more than one wig for a good while. Like the hairline started in the middle of his head. <laughs> Uh, I really thought at first it was supposed to be his actual character's hair mm -hmm. until they showed him bald. And I was like, oh, my God, it's supposed to be a wig. That one is OK. You can uh, meatloaf's wig, Billy Zane's wig, uh, decidedly less so. We'll talk. Uh, we'll talk about Billy Zane here in a second. Uh, There's the only thing to talk about. <laughs> God. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This episode, we're talking about Blood Rain. It's November. It's November. I love November. That's our first annual November, everyone. Celebrate. Put on your capes. Wear your fake teeth. And uh, suck. Yeah, and suck. Suck like this movie sucks. Yes. Like you never sucked before. So, Brandon, what does November mean to you, buddy? <sighs> Nothing. Because life no longer holds any meaning after... <laughs> <laughs> the... The things we do for your entertainment, <laughs> listeners. Um, what November means to me is taking joy in all of those crazy, crazy bloodsuckers that fill all of our fun media because they're fucking everywhere. Look, I was an English major. What? No. I know, Just right? Just like Uwe Boll? Yeah. Do you have your, Just did like, you get your PhD like he did? Which that blew my mind. If he has, uh, he should not have a fucking PhD. Um, I, I would love to read that dissertation. <laughs> so I was, I was going to describe my experience as an English major, and then I realized it was going to sound kind of like a, a Goosebumps book. Like, I was a teenage novelist. Um, I was an English major. I enjoyed all of my studies. Funnily enough, I never read Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, I never had to. Like, it was, it was never a thing. Oh, yeah, I was never assigned it. Uh through any of my academic experience that's man true. for the longest time especially in undergrad if i wasn't assigned something and it wasn't just absolute garbage fiction i wasn't gonna read it like i i, I separated my my existence from classroom reading pension and twain and fucking what matthew sweet and, you know, Victorian poetry and prose and Byron and purse, all that shit. Mm -hmm. And then I went home and read all of the urban fantasy I could find. If it had werewolves, wizards, dragons, vampires, ghouls, goblins, wraiths, etc., and maybe a sex scene here and there, I was in. Like, that's what I needed yeah. outside of the classroom. Because, I mean, another English major here. Um, Surpri and surprise. We don't, yeah. 
we don't get to uh, do much in the way of any genre fiction. We're too busy reading The Great Gatsby for the ninth time, and that's not an exaggeration. There was one class I literally had to read that book four times through, and each time had to apply a different like uh, critical lens. So I was going to say like a lens to criticism. it. Then like the feminist, then we did the deconstructionist criticism, just like again and again and again, do it again. Uh, so Through my entire undergrad, I was assigned to read Huck Finn six times. Once I had to read Huck Finn for three separate classes in one semester. Like, Whew. good goddamn. No, thank you. It's not like there's not other Twain to. I mean, I I don't I didn't get uh, Huck Finn in in college. I think that was a high school read, but uh, we got Puddinghead Wilson. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Anyway, we're not talking about we're not no. talking about great <laughs> literature here today. Uh, and that... you know, we don't really we're not dealing with Uwe Boll as um, a literary scholar. We are dealing with him as a filmmaker. I don't think he's good at either. I can't speak for for his academic career, but I can definitely speak for this experience that we I can't speak had. for his academic career either. All I know is my experience with seeing what he did to a screen by taking a page and putting it on said screen, and it's bad. So we're doing Blood Rain, the movie, based on the Majesco video game of the same name, which I played when it came out. I don't know if you have any experience playing this I game. I don't. I don't. Uh, I knew it was a video game, but I knew nothing really about the video game. I honestly don't remember a whole lot. I I remember enjoying it. It was like a fun sort of, I don't know, like the perfect kind of encapsulation of the seven on the scale, right? It's like it does sure. a lot of things right. It does nothing spectacularly well. It's got just like fine sort of generic level design. It was. It's always fun killing Nazis. Sure. So, uh, we don't see why any of those this time. No, he chose to go a very different um, time period with this one. No Nazis in sight. Apparently, he's, he was saving those because I looked, and there are two sequels to this movie, and the third one, Third Reich, does get into Nazis. But I don't think I'm ever going to make it there. I, I had never played the video game, but again, it's November. This is not... This is our first annual November for a reason. Vampires are fucking everywhere. They are probably the most prevalent form of are, do you think they're a cryptid does that sound reasonable i i don't know can you be a cryptid if you just never stop showing the fuck up all over the place right just like coming out in daylight and sparkling around because like cryptids that implies like a sense of being hidden and they're everywhere like you said vampires and zombies we just can't get enough can yeah we? in in media you've got vampires zombies mummies uh... I was going to say Bigfoot, but he's really, you really don't see him, which good on you, big man. Like, yeah. well, well played. You're keeping it real. He knows how to keep a, a sense of mystique about himself. He, uh, yeah, no kidding. But vampires are, are fucking everywhere. So we felt that for the month of November, or in this case, November, we're just going to cover random fucking vampire IPs that we don't have a lot of experience with, or in my case, no experience with. So we're starting off with Blood Rain. So this film, January 6th, 2005, is when this was released. I would just like to say, I looked this up, not even in the top 38 on release weekend for Blood Rain. I don't think it even opened in that many theaters. It didn't open nationwide, right? 1,600 theaters. 1,600 more than it deserved. Yeah, it started out at 2,800, I think, and then they had to lower that because they couldn't get the publishing rights for some reason. For the film itself. So they lowered it to 1600 
And even that was then again lowered. So uh, according to the small amount of research I did, it was anywhere between 1,200 and 1,600 theaters when initially it was supposed to be close to 3,000. Never had a chance. So before we jump directly into the plot of this movie. And then directly out? Because yeah, it's and then we hop right out, out of that shallow <laughs> fucking puddle. Um, yeah, dip I'm, I'm going to give the, the, uh, the summary of the film according to IMDb. Let's do it. In the 18th century, a vampire escapes from the freak show in which she once participated and teams up with a group of vampire slayers to kill the man who raped her mother. That is what this movie is supposed to be about. Yeah, yeah, and I, I guess it is. So let's let's kind of let's kind of jump into this, and uh, I let let's start off with the intro credits. Can we start off with one yeah. previous point you just made? Because this is throwing me. Sure. Did you just say you said the 18th century? Uh, that's what it says. Okay, try and strike that from your mind, like because I was going to ask you when you thought this movie took place. <laughs> Because I have no idea what they're going for. It's it's basically like it had the feel of like um, a PBS special where they like they film through some historical period piece. Right. And everything is just too like clean to really feel like it's accurate. You know, like all the tunics are like freshly washed and pressed. Everyone's like clean, like clean shaven, like their hair is is done up. You know, it's just like a, a basic community theater ass production. level. Also, also Blood Rain's hair cannot naturally be that color that is not a color that naturally exists on a human's head or in this case a half vampire i'm sorry it's, they're called damphir they're called damphir damphir's delight yeah you can get that box at walmart <laughs> but uh it's like it, it's kind of like medieval fusion you know you've got like castles and swords and stuff and you got like the market square but you also have like the black powder bombs that they that they right. end up getting on later and it's not medieval, apparently. It's no it, 1700s. It, man, this mm, this movie's fucking all over the place. So, uh, my my first thought with the intro, it does the the same sort of intro thing that a lot of movies that involve vampires or werewolves do, where it starts off with like artwork, like yeah. like Renaissance style paintings, but they add in the characters. Mm-hmm. In a lot of other movies that do it correctly, they add in <laughs> they add in characters that don't necessarily completely look like the actors. They just kind of subtly look like the actors. And you're like, yeah. oh, this could actually be a piece of art. In this case, no, at one point they show a giant fucking Renaissance portrait of Sir Benjamin Kingsley. <laughs> like, I mean, they paid for his likeness. They're going to use it. I guess, but I mean, they, they do that with all of the characters. Like they all just kind of show up in these paintings as themselves. There's no, there's no license to this when it comes to like the art and how it functions. This art was made probably by Yuve Vol for this film. Yeah. To me, it was just like, look who I managed to get. Look at this. Michael Madsen's in this thing. Look who's yeah. here. But in this case, that is the entire introduction is just names of people. Juve Bowles basically just saying, like, look who I could get. And then pictures of those people, but painted. And then we move into the 
worst backlot medieval alleyway setting I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. Yeah, I, I think maybe I calling it PBS is a disgrace. Uh, PBS does a little bit better, I, I want to say. So, okay, so we're going to really struggle to go through this scene by scene. It's going to be hard. Because every other film we've covered, including Mortal Kombat Annihilation, which both of us were not giving a source to, we were not sourcing that one, they were still cohesive as a story. There's something to, to hang your hat on. Yeah. It's got rough edges, but like those rough edges, they, they have something to explore. There are nooks and crannies to kind of get in. This one's get in rough. There and, and talk this, about. This one does not function as a story. It does not function as a film. It does not function as anything. It functions as just someone basically putting a narcissistic written version of what they wanted to see on camera on camera. Mm. And that person may or may not be absolutely batshit insane. Yeah. To me, it's the, uh, it's the proverbial polished turd. What was polished? Well, I just mean it's a big pile of shit, right? But the shit is so slick and like overproduced. And like they just polished, they they tried to polish it, right? Like they've got big name actors in here, like with the level of budget that he was somehow able to secure. There's like it further removes like like there's no camp, there's no campiness because camp requires like a bit of charm, a bit of like earnestness. There's just nothing. Everything is just so dead and devoid of like anything. Camp right? also requires a bit of self awareness, which is right. not in this film. That is not Uwe Boll's strong suit. So I, I do have something that happened very quickly after our, our lovely alleyway back lot. Yeah. They're trying to do what Dungeons and Dragons did. I mean, this was 2005. So I think this was four, maybe 3.5 to 4E Dungeons and Dragons. You get introduced to your vampire slayers before you really get introduced to Blood Rain. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Like, you get introduced to Vladimir, Sebastian, and Katerin, mm -hmm. uh, Michael Madsden, uh, some other guy, and Michelle fucking Rodriguez, who was also in the Dungeons and Dragons movie. And uh, Resident Evil, right? So she's just, this isn't her first video game adaptation, not her first rodeo. Honestly, after this performance, it should have been her last. But I, I love Michelle Rodriguez. I love damn near everything she does. This man... The mouth acting that girl did in this movie, her accent was all over Europe and America. That's true, but I actually only have good things to say about it because you just said the word acting, and even though it's not good acting, it is acting, and in a movie where nobody's doing any of that, it stands out as at least she is performing. I want to say her and Billy Zane are the only people that brought anything into this thank god Anything of like, you said that thank you yeah. billy zane billy zane was the only good part of this film for me and it's not good but it is it's something it's a it's a moment that you can engage with <laughs> billy zane at one point looked at one of uh ben kingsley's servant men i guess who like threw a contract on his desk and he just looks up from what he's reading and in without any sort of characterization just in full billy zane voice just goes could you please not throw things at me? I highlighted this exact moment because to me, that moment is Billy Zane wasn't aware he was on, on camera. Like no one has said action. He's just on set reading something and someone like tosses something to him. And he's like kind of slightly annoyed looking up like, what, you need, what, what do you need now? 
<laughs> I'm not done yet. I genuinely hope he was reading a better script than the yeah. absence of script that this film had. Well, he he looks like he's having like some fun. And yes, the only thing I can think is. is like like, oh, you know what? He's probably thinking to himself, like, I'm getting paid this much for showing up on set for 45 minutes and knocking this shit out. It's the Michael Caine Jaws 4 thing. Like, someone came up to Michael Caine and they're like, hey, have you watched that movie? It's trash. And his response was, I have not seen it, but I have seen the house it bought for my mother and it's beautiful. <laughs> like, yeah, that's kind of what we're looking at here. Billy Zane is having a good time on camera. He is not a character. Except for his wig is more of a character than he is. That is a wig. That is, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, he is the only part of the film that I genuinely enjoyed. Every time he was on screen just being Billy Zane, I was like, man, that's refreshing. He's the only name that lived up to the, the opening credits. The, op- the opening credits tries to tell you that this, this movie includes Michael Madsen and Michelle Rodriguez and Sir Ben Kingsley. None of them are in this film. Billy Zane showed up, but like Michael Madsen is not in this movie. They they somehow managed to like, I don't know, get the Pinocchio fucking wish upon a star, brought Madame Tussauds like wax sculpture of Michael Madsen to life briefly. He was barely mentally coherent through this film. Yeah, he's barely conscious. He's made of wood. It's a wood sculpture. It's a fucking wax sculpture and was sporting like a Tommy Wiseau ask like shoe polish. Yeah. Die job on top. And that's that's it. And Ben Kingsley, uh, look, Ben Kingsley has chosen some very questionable roles. He, I think he was in the Transmorphers movie. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Every now and again, he, he chooses a role that's absolutely fucking buck wild. Uh, Lucky Number Slevin, which is a, I, I think it's a great film. But I remember enjoying that. It's it's a, a it, it was very surprising that Ben Kingsley chose that movie. Uh, this was... Lucky number seven was a good choice for him, a good risk for him. This was rough. Ben Kingsley in this movie, to me, is, is basically late era Steven Seagal energy. Ooh, he is seated good. the entire time. Like, you know, they had him on set for like an hour at the most because every scene begins and ends the exact same way until the climax, which is Ben Kingsley sitting in his throne chair. Attendant comes in, tells him some bit of information. He sort of like vacantly listens, nods. The attendant leaves and the camera kind of like um, it dwells on his countenance for like 10 seconds or so. And you always think he's about to say like some other additional line. The line like, oh, she poses a threat to our plans, right? That's the big takeaway from this conversation. And then sure. cuts back to Ben Kingsley. It's like, OK, he's about to say something else, maybe some like sort of cliffhanger sort of line to like segue into the next scene or like bring us back, or reveal some bit of character, but he just never says anything. It just stays there, and it's almost like he had nothing. Like, I wasn't paid to give you anything else, so you can just, like, film me for another few seconds to remind everyone that, like, I'm in this. Uh, Yeah. That's it. He stands, like, a total of twice. (laughs) Well, even that final fight scene, which we're going to get into in a sec, I think what I should do first, just for the people who haven't seen this movie, and... mm, Keep it that way. Please. Keep it that way. Please, Jesus, don't do that to yourself. I'm going to give the briefest of rundowns of some scenes. Good. Because, you know, I, I just watched this movie last night. Like, I was putting it off. Good. You should have. Last minute preparing for the show. And uh, went into my brain and right back out again. Like, I don't know. 
what like there's we're looking for the eye and there's uh yeah get it <laughs> go, sure. go for it <laughs> okay so the entire thing rain th- there's no mention of blood rain blood rain is the title of the film it's not her name her name is just rain i think that's consistent from what i recall sure i i, I honestly the, don't the blood is i don't know it's the blood she drinks i really don't know yeah she doesn't even do a lot of that but that's beside the point so the entire thing, Vlad, Sub- Vladimir, Sebastian, and Katerin are all part of a group called uh, the Brimstone Collective, the Brimstone Society, and their job is to hunt down vampires, to cleanse the world of vampires. They get to a tavern, D&D style, looking for a quest, D&D style. And, and the, uh, God, the, the tavern owner, the barkeep, basically says, there's this woman at this carnival. They call her the She-Devil. Then we flash to the carnival. They bring old girl out. They torture her, effectively. They cut her arms. They dip her in water and watch as, like, skin burns off of her. It's fucking rough stuff. The audience is just eating it up. They're loving everything. Eating it up. She breaks out because a guy comes to rape her. One of many. Yeah. Many instances of just um abusive women it's it's such a a lazy fast way to try and establish like stakes or trauma and but it's not even that it's give it just it basically just gives her a reason to escape they could have done so much more with that instead of made made it rape like she had a friend at the carnival who gave her her swords Mm -hmm. she could have broken her out it didn't have to be the big torturer man comes and tries to defile her. Like right. it, it didn't have to be that. That's what it that's, is. That that's a di- that's a director's choice. Well, it is. It's a writer's choice as well. We'll get into that later. I promise you. Yeah, just um, bad choices across the board. So she breaks out. She heads to a monastery. Now we are in where. I mean that sincerely. Like, I don't know where this film took place. It seems like it It says it takes place in Romania, I think. Sure. I, again, it's like it's medieval European fusion. Fucking monastery had a Celtic cross on the door. Like, just put it all in there, blend it up. It's like just a, it's a gray sludge that comes out. Just choke it down. This is what it is. So she gets to the monastery. She finds uh, the eyeball of a formerly badass vampire it assimilates itself with her come to find out we have our MacGuffins. ben kingsley second shows up causes a whole big fuss knocks her out kidnaps her and then takes her to meatloaf and i i do mean the musician meatloaf is an actor in this film surrounded by naked women i guess at one point literal prostitutes that Uwe Boll hired because they were cheaper than actresses. God damn it, you fucker. Oh, is God, that a trivia? God damn it, <laughs> you ass bag. Uh, cut that, cut that, cut that. Cut that, uh, cut that. <laughs> yeah. No, um, we'll, we'll sorry, just leave. Just, I didn't know that was one of your trivia. We'll just leave they that in. could have had an actual meatloaf in there, though, and it would have emoted about the same. Yeah, but I mean, like, it's fucking meatloaf. Like, yeah. They could have put John Bon Jovi in there and it probably would have been the same acting choices. Um, that that entire scene, I, I did say one like it looked like uh, a blood orgy. 
if you were on a Disney yeah. ride with animatronics. <laughs> so I called it Vampires of the Caribbean. <laughs> uh, so we did talk about our academic background, both being English majors, right? Sure. So I did a lot of writing classes, and something you learn to do when you're giving criticism to a peer is to sandwich it, right? Yeah. You start out with something you liked about their work, some good thing, some positive observation to share. Then you put your more critical observations after that, and then you end up, you end it with another positive comment so that the peer is more receptive to the more critical aspects of your commentary because you've set them up to, to know that you're not just out to, to shit on their work. You, you did read it and you read it with good intentions, trying to find some good in it. Sure. So I was trying to do that with this. I really was. It, it took all of my training to find, and we don't have a sandwich. We have an open-faced Sammy. I have one good thing. We got, we got something on the bottom of all this bullshit piled on top. I couldn't find another piece of bread. I'm sorry. But it's the scene you just alluded to, and it's not even the scene. It's the idea of something that could have been done that would have been enjoyable. In the monastery, I do like the idea of Rain showing up. She's been traveling for three days. She hasn't slept. She hasn't eaten. She's given refuge by a monk. Takes her mm-hmm. in. Uh, who, who is the vampire daddy from Blade? Oh. The, the wise okay. monk? Is yeah. is a pure blood vampire daddy from Blade. Loved okay. seeing him. I, I guess that's just all he does. Vampiric overlap. Yeah, yeah. Um, I liked the idea of the object that she's pursuing. This this eye being in mm-hmm. the bottom of this monastery, a place that offers safe refuge, but then in its catacombs offers a series of trials and like antagonistic forces to be overcome. I always like the idea of. You see it a lot in folklore, right? The sort of alluring presence, usually like a female that like, you know, brings the, the traveler in and then becomes a snake or, you the know, siren another, song like, like effect, yokai. Yeah, the sirens, thing. you know, I like that idea. Um, and there is the moment where she's like, Rain is going through the, what are they like? Saw blade mechanical Dude, contraptions. That it's, like, a, it's a fucking four step torture device that has... Uh, CGI green screen ass. So they probably spent more money on the effects in that room than they did anything else in the entire goddamn movie. It's saw blades and spikes that come out of the wall. Yeah. Whenever action kicks off in this movie, it's like someone went into After Effects, pulled up like the uh, the filters menu, and just clicked apply all. You've got like the hyperactive editing and like the shaky cam, you got the blur, like the superimposition, like sepia tone, bloom. It's fucking insane. It's the, just the blur effect. I was fucking over. Even when it's just rain practicing with her weird fucking swords. Yes. yes. It there's just blurred into oblivion, blurred and cuts, just constant cuts to different parts of her body. Yeah. You remember when I said that I, I was afraid of having a seizure when I was playing uh, Mortal Kombat yeah. Mythology Sub-Zero? I had the same exact lightheaded feeling when it was just her doing her single fucking training montage when it's just her in the forest. I was going to ask you, actually, it's in my notes here, not for this scene, because there was a moment where I actually felt almost a little motion sick myself watching this movie. and. I have gotten motion sickness in recent years playing VR. It was the first time I'd ever experienced something like that. It's not something I, I normally get, and this movie fucking did it to me. <laughs> so. I have VR. Like, I play Beat Saber, and, you know, like, I, I've, I played uh, 
Resident Evil uh, Biohazard VR. That's the that's the game. It's anytime um, you're in like a first person mode and you are actually moving the character. Like if it's if it's something viewing the action from afar, like an Astrobot or something from like a third person camera angle, I'm sure. usually fine. But if I'm moving with it, like with the camera in first person, oh man, that I that I did do Skyrim for like seven and a half, eight hours straight and felt like absolute Jesus. garbage after yeah but man that, that game will suck you in real hard um so anyway yeah just effects effects for days it's it's like when i used photoshop for the very first time and just like well let me just cut a bunch of stuff together really poorly and i'll just blur all the seams out yeah just, sure and it's just blurred into oblivion Th- this was an introductory photoshop version of filmmaking so yep. goes to the the monastery, gets the eye. The eye assimilates with her. We find out that there's a heart and a rib as well from the same mm-hmm. vampire. And if a vampire gets all three of them, they become godlike. Uh, sunlight won't hurt them. They just say water. Do they mean holy water? <laughs> they say that water hurts vampires. Water in general. Like fucking yeah. rain. Ha. Um. But they stick her hand in water. We first meet her and her skin just like bubbles and blisters and sloughs off of her. Yeah. I, I thought it was a holy water thing in like the myth, but I guess not. And the cross. Those are the three weaknesses of a vampire. Water, which is fucking stupid. That's the same weakness that the aliens and signs had. The cross and sunlight. Shyamalan and uh, and Bowl, I think they might make good uh, bed buddies. Yeah, uh, work partners. But so we find out about these. She gets recruited by the the Brimstone Group. It's fine. They they do like some training montages. Uh, Sebastian ends up no, having. No, I'm sorry. S- uh, just I have to correct you. Because we can't let that stand because you, you've gotten that incorrect. Because you said montage is plural. This is, I think it's the shortest, ed, I don't know that we can call it a montage. Dude, I was so fucking confused, man. Like, what was the timeline in this shit? She joins the Brimstone Society and everyone hates her, including Sebastian. And not even five minutes later on screen time, her and Sebastian are boning down in the weirdest way. Yeah, so you have Vladimir, Michael Madsen, like he's, he starts the training of Rain. Sure. And it's like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the most generic sort of intro to a montage you've ever seen. Which Yeah, your is, sword like, hits another sword. Yeah, her performing semi-poorly out in the yard, and he says, physical strength without control means nothing. And it's like, you get one bout of that, and then it's a scene of her and all the other warriors like swinging blades together in like synchronicity. And then she receives her weapons, and she's like flipping around the woods. Like, okay, so three separates it's like a six second montage oh and and then she bones down yeah look i get it it was supposed to be this like not romantic more like purely erotic animalistic sex scene oh yeah this is not sex it's fucking yeah it's straight fucking it's 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 porn energy they did nothing like neither of them were having fun with that the actors or the characters yeah, so this is like Christina Loken, like, do I really have to do this? And Uwe Boll's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah I need and I'm this. I'm getting in there. It's like uncomfortably, like, 
it's right up on her. And we've got like like breast licking and like serious gyrations. You know, like it's it's porny. Yeah. It's, it's soft it's skinamax after hours. It is it is uncomfortable. Also, they never show this this is a weird fucking thing to say and a weird point to make, but they never show her legs at all. Right, they like position the camera on the other side of a table that like obscures the the crotch action, right? Yeah. And and even whenever they go to behind old boy as he is going to town, they do not show her legs. It's like she's just a torso. <laughs> Man, it it was some weird shit. I I didn't know how to feel about that one because just there was obviously no romance despite the fact that they were trying to build a romantic relationship with those two and i think yeah try mm, yeah barely trying it was just a weird sex scene all around it was but you know what actually i think i found the other piece of bread i got the top of my sandwich Uh oh because i'm just remembering up until now like i mentioned before no one in this movie is emoting to any degree Michelle Rodriguez is doing a lot of like flared nostrils and like kind of scowling. I think that's the most you're getting. Rain is just a big flat nothing. But right after this scene, it cuts right from the sex scene to Vladimir and Sebastian. Is it the whole crew? Yeah, it's Katarina. Katarina's there too, yeah. And Katarina, they're sitting at the table eating in like the mess hall. And Rain comes in with the biggest grin. Yeah. And you haven't seen her smile until now, and you won't see her really smile again. And it continues through this entire next scene, her sitting down at the table and just grinning ear to ear the whole time. She's like, oh, I just got that good legless sex. It is the (laughs) only time she emotes. It's the only time she emotes in the entire film. Yeah. It's like, all right, like we are criticizing that sex scene, but apparently... It did a lot for her. Yeah, she got something out of that. Sebastian's packing. So, yeah, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. There's a joke about getting staked in there someplace. I'm just not going to do it. Do it. Get it. I, I, I don't. I don't. That's the problem. I don't. I don't have one. It just I know there's a I know there's a joke someplace. I just this movie does not make me want to actually try to make that joke. Uh, source not found pod at gmail dot com. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so after after the sex scene and, and the combat choreography shit. It goes directly into what is the worst fucking plan I think has, that's ever existed in a film. <laughs> uh, Michelle Rodriguez turns on everybody because her dad's Billy Zane, but they don't ever explain. Like, she's hated her dad the entire film, but she turns on the Brimstone Society at the end without any sort of reasoning. Like, I guess they just yeah. ripped those pages out of the script. Um, sure. And then just maybe the interstitial pages as well, because then she's just dead. It's like a real quick progression from betrayal to just like she doesn't become like an antagonistic presence no for long. well it's immediate she, yeah she she becomes an antagonistic presence for a half of a scene and it's yeah. just an underwater girl fight yep that's what they just needed to set that up somehow because we've talked about like the medieval fusion aspect of this like it sort of evades time period but two things that stand out that are just no attempt at uh putting them in time and place are what rain and Katarina are wearing all of the women in this movie the costuming is absolute just trash top to bottom like it it reminds me of uh, maybe this was on purpose i guess it reminds me of female video game armor 
Yeah. Like boob armor. I'm, yeah, boob armor. I'm going to give this I'm going to give my female character a plus 3 breastplate, but it just covers her nipples. Yep. Like that is the same sort of bullshit that we're dealing. My rogue is going to wear leathers, but they are super tight, unwieldy, and they are crop tops. Like yep. it's it's just bad bad costuming across the board. All the guys get to wear fucking loose ass tunics and like jerkins and trousers and boots. Yep. And the women are like, I am wearing shit that hurts. It sucked. Well, you, you kind of figure like, like Michael Madsen is basically just like, you know, he's just waking up like five minutes before filming. Just like, if that set, he may still be asleep leaving. on set. I'm just, <laughs> There were a few yeah, really there were a few like wide shots of him on a horse where I'm pretty sure it was either a mannequin <laughs> or a man unconscious. Yeah, I don't know much about Michael Madsen personally. Maybe we should do a deep dive, but he might have the capability to sleep with his eyes open. And if so, could be. If so, he was the entire film. Yes. But just like all these people they managed to wrangle in and you know that like, oh, if you want to actually put me in a a restricting costume, like you're going to have to pay extra for that. Like, okay, we're just going to put you in a like a fucking moo moo. God damn, man. It it was just so unfortunate. Uh, so that Rain is going directly to, I don't think we've said his name yet. Ben Kingsley's character, Kagan, her dad. I didn't even, I would have had to have looked that up. Her dad. Ben Kingsley, who, Michael Madsen, Michelle Rodriguez, uh, actors. Yeah. That's, uh, there's no there real no characters. need it's actors on screen. character names in this fucking movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. She goes to Ben Kingsley with one of the talismans the heart i think and is going to turn herself in and she gets fucking thrown in the dungeon and then the uh sebastian and vladimir are like well you know what we have to do and then they get uh, on purpose thrown into the dungeon with no escape plan no one has an (laughs) escape plan they're in the dungeon together and they have the conversation of like hey i just want you well i just want to let you guys know i'm never going to stop fighting and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? This was, you had, you had days to plan this. Days to plan this. The Brimstone Society, they, uh, they work best under pressure. Or not at all. You know, they like to put themselves in the situation where they just have to figure it out in the moment. They're, they're playing jazz with it. You know, they're, they're vibing. They're, they're figuring the things out. The worst part improvising. was they, they're taking rain to this ceremony where her soul's going to get ripped out, I guess is what they, they said. Yeah, her soul's sure. going ri- like to get that. ripped out through the eye because Kingsley knows that she has the eye. And so he's going to take that out so he can ascend in some way, shape or form into a higher version of a vampire to take over the world as big daddy vampire. They, she gets taken to this ceremony and Michael Madston and Sebastian look at each other and are like, well, I guess we got to figure out how to get out of here now. And I'm like, what have you been doing this whole? <laughs> you've been in here for a day. Look at the hinges or something for the love of God. Anyway, all this happens. Obviously, Blood Rain does her shit. Everybody except for her dies. And she sits yeah. on her dad's throne and the entire movie ends with the camera on her face emotionless sitting on her (laughs) on the throne of her father who raped her mother that she went to kill like what the fuck that climax 
maybe uh it's not it's not enough to it's not a piece of bread but i guess it's it's at least a bad a bad moment that was so bad it's good because when when all this final violence kicks off we have like michael madsen being restrained yeah and then we have kingsley that again just fucking peak steven seagal energy he like staggers up he has like the the limp wristed like barely holding the sword like seagal holds like a firearm in any movie right in the last decade or two like not even really like aiming it towards anywhere in particular and just sort of like steps forward and just slides it into michael madsen's heart and michael madsen i swear to god has the exact same vacant expression prior to during and after being stabbed oh and he's still alive <laughs> after that because he uses his fucking hand crossbow again like there is no <laughs> there is nothing so okay i i do want to say something we normally like to make sure that when you stop listening to a podcast when this is over when you finish yeah. listening to an episode you understand what this movie is about and i realize that the past several minutes have probably seemed very rambling and incoherent inco- for a lot of people no that's just the fucking movie gang yeah, that's there's nothing to pull. From that's this. just it. Like we are giving you our direct impressions of how this, who, how this worked by us. Like trying to, I don't know, establish a topic and at least explore that briefly together. Like, oh, let's talk about the visual effects. Okay, now let's talk about this scene. And to have segues in between, we've already done more work than the for movie this conversation did. than they did in the construction of this film. My my joke about vampires of the Caribbean was more than they put into the script and that was a bad joke gang that was a bad joke so i i do have a single question because i missed it and i'm not sure if i missed it on purpose or or if maybe i just completely fucking missed it ben kingsley slides something up his sleeve in the climax of this movie before he grabs his rapier does he ever use that weird fucking checkoff gun not that I recall. Cool. Yeah, no, that's what I thought, too. Um, <laughs> like, the, the camera the makes sequel. a... Next time, Blood Rain 2. Blood Rain 2, he's already fucking dead. He turns yeah, in... not getting Kingsley back. Like, I haven't seen those movies. I looked at the cast list. Uh, they, all the... I, and I, don't, I still don't know how he managed to pull in who he did. Uh, Maybe. I, I have a little bit of that. You got some trivia on that? Uh, but he, he couldn't seem to lightning doesn't strike twice or three times or four times because um, there is a fourth movie called Blubberella that is apparently a shot for shot spoof like parody of the third Blood Rain movie, I think also made by Uwe Boll. So, yes, he made a parody film of his own film. This is a parody apparently. film of what a human being would make a film out of. But I just I'm I, the reason I asked is I made a point of noticing Sir Benjamin Kingsley sliding something into his offhand sleeve. I thought it may have been like a dagger or something poisoned or, you know, something like that. Yeah. Chekhov's gun is a very, very classically used tool in both writing and film. Mm-hmm. How do you fuck that up? It wasn't actually anything diegetic. It wasn't, it, it was actually a mistake. It was a blooper they left in. That wasn't a prop. It was like, an extra thousand bucks that Uwe Boll had to like slide him suddenly or else he was going to walk off set. Like he, he was like looking at the clock, like, all right, time's up. I'm out. Like, okay, just what we need one more 
That was his one check. more thing. That was yeah. his. That was yeah. his. His check. And uh, Uve Bowl just attached an extra Starbucks card to it for the extra <laughs> extra half hour he had to do yeah. the fucking rapier yeah. work with. So the last line of this movie is uh, Sebastian is dying, and Blood Rain comes in. Fuck, her name is just Rain. It's the trident all over again. Um, Rain comes no one's in. No care. No one's checking you on it. No one just... gives a shit about this film. Uh, Rain comes in to bite his neck. And he says, no, 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 no. And she goes, please don't leave me. And he goes, it's my time. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> and then he doesn't move. Like, she, it's not that she lets him down. Or, like, he goes limp and dies. No, he just stops moving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I just, man. So, I, like, maybe it was better for her than it was for him. Because he's just out. He's, like, he, I know was, we just... he was fucking. <laughs> look, that was a really good time. And I'm glad we, like, exchanged necklaces and stuff earlier on in the movie. But, look, I, I got stabbed and I, I'm good. <laughs> the ultimate hit and quit it. Yeah, the ultimate hit and quit it. You fuck a vampire or a damn fear and then you just die. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't want you to turn me so I'm immortal with you forever. It's till death do we part and I am ready to fucking die. I'm Thank out. you. Yeah. Deuces. <laughs> yeah, so. Okay. I, I don't so, know. I I feel for the... It's hard for me to even imagine being like a huge Blood Rain fan because like the game wasn't a nothing. It was fun, but it's not like a game that I can imagine really investing into any great degree. It's like it's a fun it's like a rental experience to like it's the ultimate rental experience, right? You you take it home for a weekend, you kill some Nazis, you jump around, you drink some blood and then you're out. And that's that. Um, but is man, it, is it just... like some mixture of like Wolfenstein mixed with Castlevania? Is that, is it's that like what? a third person action game and you've got the blades on either arm. Like that's her big, like the rain. I don't remember really being much of a character. It's mostly, it's oh. mostly just her design, right? Like, I was going like, to say they oh, carry that a, over real hard. They do a great job yeah, of that. You got the dual blades and that's cool. And it's just a visual thing. But like the only things I can think of that are even to call this a video game movie, right? Sure. There is no intentional attempt to make it that. The best I can do is whenever we're doing like that frantic, like super round camera angle, like the exterior shots of the castle, and it's just like the, the worst, like the shittiest modeled 3D castle that looks like a PS2 game. And then that final scene, that battle, when the frame rate drops to like 10 frames a second for their like slow-mo scenes. But it's when not they like act, typical When they actually have to do kills off camera and then pan over to the fucking spirit halloween store baraka style mask yeah with the blade through it and you can see there's no there's no head behind it it's just a mask maybe yep. there's styrofoam behind it it's it's like playing on ps2 and it's like oh this developer didn't really know how to to utilize the hardware to the best of its ability and so we got drop frames it's yeah. it's a mess that's it i mean that's the only thing that i can even link to being in a video game and uh well, oh, I do have to say this. The swords are a lot thicker than they need to be. They are. Did you notice that? How all of oh, the weapons were... All of the weapons in this movie were so incredibly large and dull. Yeah. <laughs> I, I genuinely think they took, like... You know the foam swords that you give to, like, children yeah. whenever they dress up as pirates? 
they that's what they were like they were just larger versions of that throw some like chrome spray paint over top and and no one yeah. knows the difference yeah yeah so that's actually going to lead us into um my personal favorite corner i have a lovely lovely corner set up for you there's beanbag chairs um and we get to get away from this a horrible fucking movie for a second and instead embrace some of the bullshit that revolved around the production of this movie please join me i know stuff so welcome to both trivia corner hello join me um we're gonna start off with a lovely you brought up the writing earlier how Yves Bol was was the director and how some of the the decisions were made by the screenwriter most likely yeah uh so little little thing according to the screenwriter uh Guinevere Turner who she is on the credits as screenwriter while she was writing the first draft of this movie she received an angry phone call from Yves Bol who swore at her and demanded she hand in a draft of the script immediately. Got it. She sent it in about a week later, and it was a very rough first draft in her mind. And she was shocked to learn that production was going to commence immediately with that draft. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, my God. Uh, Later on, through the series of production choices and things, she was informed that Yuve... Bull, and the actors and actresses had subsequently rewritten much of her script while shooting and that the finished movie barely resembled her script. That makes so much sense because I saw a quote from her somewhere where she was remarking how terrible the movie was, how, how just awful and the writing was bad. I'm just like, you, you wrote that though, but no, yeah. no, that was, didn't. that was Juve. That was, that was Big Daddy Bull. Could she not have like gotten her name off that thing? somehow i don't really know how that works i don't either maybe that's what they struck for um the actress who played blood rain in the the video games uh laura bailey yeah from critical role and she's also just everything yeah actress yes laura bailey actually came out and said that she fucking hates this movie like that that's not that's not one of my trivia corner facts for today that's just something that i enjoyed reading yeah, I saw that, and apparently she only made it through like twenty minutes of the movie. Yeah, as, as much as she could do. Yeah, no, I don't and, blame uh, her. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that, Laura. So, we talked a lot about Michael Madsen and his his uh, quote unquote acting. Yeah, according to Uve Ball, he was drunk through the entire production. <laughs> <laughs> that also makes so much sense because yeah. I saw a quote from him where he said. He recognized that the movie was shit, but said he really enjoyed working with Uwe Boll and would do yeah. it again. But it probably had nothing to do with Uwe Boll. He was just fucking... He was hammered the smashed. entire time. He, he was just hammered the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I mean, it's I, all coming together. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're getting paid a good amount. Reading some of the worst writing that's ever been written, or or you're making it up as you go because there's no goddamn script, and you're yeah. hammered through the entire process. <laughs> of course, you want to work with this guy again. It's a fucking party. So I said I didn't know much about Michael Madsen on a personal level, but I I guess I know now that he's a sleepy drunk. 
He's a sleepy, sleepy boy when he's drinking. <laughs> oh, he's man. he's not a happy drunk. He's not a he's not a violent or a sad drunk. He's just super he's just sleepy. drunk into oblivion. Yeah, yeah. He's just very very sleepy. <laughs> Dull the pain. <laughs> oh just, God! Just when he rides the horse, you can see it. Yeah. Like you can oh, see him God. bouncing around because like. It's Michael fucking Madsden. Like, he has experience on horses and as an actor doing all sorts of random shit. Like, mm-hmm. but when he rides the horses in this movie, he looks absolutely blitzed out of his brain. <laughs> and apparently he was. Um, oh, boy. So, the prostitutes in the scene yeah. with Sorry, I stole your, uh I stole your thunder there. Yeah. Um, so all of the prostitutes in that scene are real prostitutes. Yeah. This is my favorite part. At the Stockholm International Film Festival, Juve Ball said that they were cheaper to hire than actresses. Yep. Yeah. At an international film festival. Hey, guys, I, I hired prostitutes because uh, I know you're trying to make a living, but fuck you, you charge too much. Like, really? Dude, you're a filmmaker. It's amazing, too, because it's not like this is a, a student film or some, like, indie production where we just, we had to, we did the best we could. In that scene with a bunch of prostitutes who were hired for that reason, budget reasons, you've got fucking meatloaf. Yeah, you've got with meat the prostitutes, like, fucking you, you, loaf. You blew, all, you blew the budget on meatloaf, and now you got to hire hookers. you got to hire sex workers. So... Uh, I've got two more small trivia facts and then a game to play with you. But I have to ask you before we play that game. Did you see what the budget for this movie was? I did. Okay. I did. (laughs) Okay. Damn. That's fine. This will still be a very enlightening little game for you. Because I had to know how this happened. (laughs) How it, you know, it looks bad, but it's like overproduced bad. And like... However, how they got these people to show up, like, obviously, they were slinging money around. And yes, they were. Well, there's only there's only one filming location. So they had to fucking (laughs) spend the money someplace. Um, You know, a lot of a lot of filmmakers, directors, especially like to give themselves a cameo in a movie. Quentin Tarantino is probably the most famous for it. Sure. Juve Bolt also very much loves to show up in his own movies. Uh, He does show up in this film. In the audience of the carnival, wearing a modern fucking wristwatch. <laughs> it's his own movie. And he's wearing a oh, fucking geez. fucking Casio G watch. No kidding. I was looking for him through this and I missed him in the audience. I guess it's I around, missed him early it's on. around like it's around three or four minutes in, something yeah. like that. He's in the, the carnival audience and he's wearing a big fucking modern watch. As you do. It's your movie. Are you kidding me? Do you think someone like brought that to his attention? Of course not. It was the fucking Starbucks cup and Game of Thrones all over again. Like, you got to know that if you're, on, if you're the one to, like, try and be the bearer of bad news or just offer any criticism, like, pack up your desk. You're leaving set that day because he is unhinged. Yeah. His rage knows no bounds. So it's not even worth it, right? Right. No, there's nobody's going to tell him, hey, dude, you're wearing a watch. <laughs> so so before we get into my fun game, 
we're both very curious as to why Sir Benjamin Kingsley were in this was in this fucking movie. Mm. Like Ben Kingsley is brilliant. Yes. He's a brilliant actor. Uh in 2007, there was an interview with Time magazine and they asked him uh why an actor of his career and reputation would accept a role in a movie like this or in this case this specific particular movie. Yeah. His response and I quote, to be honest, I have always wanted to play a vampire with the teeth and the long black cape. Let's say that my motives were somewhat immature for doing it. End quote. <laughs> he just wanted to be a fucking vampire, dude. And this was his only his only option at the time. But see, I don't even get that desire from him in this. No, he also doesn't wear a goddamn cape. Yeah. Maybe that's why. Maybe like they just put his foot down like, no, I have a vision for for Kagan. And he is not not a cape wearing vamp. Yeah. And Kingsley was just like, well, fine, if if you're not going to indulge me, then I am just going to barely be here. Okay, so so now this is my favorite game. Oh, oh, boy. I picked five vampire movies that we may or may not do in the future. I also have their budgets. These are five vampire movies that. I have seen and enjoy and have enjoyed more than this film. Yeah. Your job is to guess whether their budget is higher or lower than this film. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) This is like this kind of game. This is and, you know, because you know me, whenever someone tells me to estimate a number, I'm going to just throw out the most embarrassingly inapt well no you don't have to guess the number just if it's higher if they had more money or less money yeah i can do this don't give me any any like hard numerals to to guess at no no no. we're not playing that game which do you want to just throw out the number of blood or no you're gonna say that afterwards we're gonna gonna say that afterwards yeah we'll we'll say it now blood rain was made for 25 million dollars every penny well spent which you would think they would have better costuming, prop work, and cinematographers, and direction. Nope. You would think so, wrong. $25 million in 2005. We're going to start with 1987, The Lost Boys. I would say less. It had less of a budget, $8.5 million. Mm-hmm. So, not even... Uh, a little under a, a third of that budget. Uh, we're going to move on to 1992, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The original movie. I've never seen that. Oh, Chrissy uh, Swanson. It's very fun. Yeah, I've only ever seen the, you know, the TV that, series. Hey, guys, stay tuned for next November. We may be doing some Buffy go. the Vampire Slayer, the original movie. We're doing the long, the year-long tease. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Was that a big movie? I, I want to say less. 2.3 million. Yeah. Another one, 1992. Bram Stoker's Dracula. Ooh, now this one I'm inclined to say more because that is a lavish production. That is a, a gorgeous, just like Baroque level of, you know, set design and spectacle. I gotta say, oh my God, what are you about to tell me? I, I'm saying more. It is more, okay, but not okay. near as much more as you think it would be. <laughs> It's only 40 million. What do we got? It's okay. only 15 million more. Yeah. Uh, I wow. would also like to point out the movie Van Helsing. 
Yeah. In 2004, the budget of that was 160 million. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 160 million. Yes. Wow. What doesn't that but just you take your breath like, away? <laughs> can you make like what seven blood rains for that? Yeah. Yeah. And if Uebo uh, were allowed to, he probably would. Even then, man, like at least mm, mm. that's another movie I've never seen. Buckle up man, next uh, year. Long, long tease. <laughs> yeah. We're going to we're going to move on to 1998 Blade. The original Blade. Ooh, Blade. I feel like that's hidden in right at like Snipes at the the top of his popularity, right? And so he you also have like Steven Dorif, right? And um Chris Christopherson. Chris Christopherson. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say more. Yeah, 45 million. Yeah. Now, this one is my favorite of, of them. Underworld. Very, mm. very... I mean, Blade is a similar plot to this film. Blade yeah. is a half-vampire whose mother was raped by a vampire, and he is out for revenge on vampires, just like Blood Rain. Yeah. Underworld... But I'm not going to allow... I'm sorry, but no. Maybe you are factually correct, but I just... Yeah, no, I can't I, allow that sentence to stand. I can't believe you. I, I can't allow you to say that. <laughs> Blade is Blade is fucking awesome. This is I love those. Movies. Well, first two. I, I even enjoyed the third one. I don't care. I fucking I liked it. But yeah, we, we, we can't uh, even if there are commonalities. Just no, there aren't. They're completely different movies. Just one is a movie and one is not. 2003. Yeah. Underworld. I thought Underworld was so cool when I saw that movie for the first Me time. Me too. Yeah. I'm right there really with you. It. I think it's awesome. Yeah. Um, Even the second one's not bad. You get Michael Sheen and fucking Bill Nighy. Yeah, I, I think I vaguely, I think I saw the sequel. I vaguely remember that. Well, Bill um, Nighy's also in the first one. He's like Big Daddy Vampire. But I feel like this might be a a less than situation. Is that I what you're like going for? It, I, yeah, I think so. Yeah, three million less. To make Underworld, which is a fun, it's 22 million. Yeah. Underworld across the board had everything better than this movie. Well, because they probably spent the money across the board as opposed to just reserving Getting Ben Kingsley? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know what Kate Beckinsale would cost, but. Well, at the the time, she wasn't, she wasn't like, she certainly wasn't what she is now. Yeah. That's true. I mean, Underworld is where she kind of made her her breakout more than anything else. So that is that is Bo's Trivia Corner, along with a little bit of fun little quiz game. This one was rough. Some rough shit. It was. But it's unavoidable because we've talked a little bit about Uwe Boll, the man, the man behind the camera, the visionary behind this experience. For my own exploration here, we're out of Trivia Zone. We're going into a much darker corner of the internet because Uwe Boll is a bit of a, like an edgelord sort of contrarian troll-like presence online. Awesome. Not a good guy. Not a, not a nice guy. Um, I think his most popular video is basically like a minute of him just saying fuck you to all his fans because they didn't properly finance his latest Kickstarter project, the third one of which to have failed. Do we know what that project was? It was one of the Rampage movies, I think. He was trying oh, to get course, funding yeah. for a Rampage sequel and then trying to crowd, crowdfund it, and uh, the money didn't come through. I, I just can't believe there weren't more fans clamoring for 
more uv balls i mean why wouldn't you clamor for more uv ball fucking projects with this shit in the hopper so it's now gone he because he's been banned off letterboxd but there was a moment in time when you could have gotten on that website and enjoyed uv ball and his critical sensibilities uv ball the critic as opposed to the creator thankfully the internet being what it is we have receipts i do love this I have a collection of Vibble's Letterboxd reviews before his account was banned. Fantastic. It's an experience. I am so excited. Looking at the spectrum of <laughs> the kinds of reviews he writes, they're all either half star or five stars almost all the time. One of two ends of the spectrum here. He's got some, some crazy ass alpha energy, huh? Just like you're either, you're either absolute dog shit or you're the best thing that's ever existed. There is no gray. Yes. There is no middle ground. A lot ground. of these are. And there are a lot of personal vendettas like, oh, Seth Rogen never called me back. Half star for whatever this movie is starring him. Same thing with Fuck like Gerard Butler. Fuck you, Pineapple Butler. Express. Yeah, sure. Um, let's start with the half stars. Let's start at the, the bottom of the barrel. What does Uwe Boll seem to hate? First thing that springs to mind, he despises comic book movies. Wait, wait, wait. Really? Because he just yes. made, uh, what's the difference between a comic book movie and a video game movie, except for the fact that comic book movies most of the time are better than video game movies? I'm not the one to answer that question. I don't know. But uh, something about them rubs Uwe Boll the wrong way. Maybe it's because he so distances his films from their source material, there's nothing left of the video game to be, to be had. Whereas modern comic book movies retain a lot of, I mean, in the MCU world, the post-MCU world, We've kind of like finally allowed ourselves to fully lean into the source material. Sure. Yeah, I can't, I can't say from the outside looking in why, but maybe you can sort of divine that from what I'm about to tell you. So let's start with some comic book movies. Uh, Shazam from 2019, half a star. For nerds and geeks, not normal human beings. End of review. Well, I am both a nerd and a geek, and I enjoyed the fuck out of that movie, so eat my ass. You're part of the problem. Yeah, uh, I, I feel like I'm trying to remember one of his reviews is it's for one of these. I think it's an MCU movie or something. And it just says, if you saw this, you are part of the problem. Dark Knight, also half a star. Edgy for two year olds. Fucking garbage. A lot of them are just like one to two sentence. Just you're an idiot. Fuck you. Some of them are more elaborate. Um, I so the Dark Knight Spider Verse. If you see this movie, you are the problem. For are you into the Spider Verse? Maybe, maybe the best animated film I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. Remove animated, like, superhero film, film yeah. of the genre, it's top tier. Not for Uwe Boll, though. I, I'm so, I'm genuinely frustrated by this man now. I, I already was because <laughs> of this movie that we had to fucking watch, but now I, I, I may dislike the person much more than I thought I would. Well, we haven't even started here because they get more venomous. Oh, speaking of, Venom. From 2018, half a star. Venom eats people's asses and doesn't mind the fecal infection and maggots in his brain. What a peach. Um, my personal favorite. Avengers Endgame. Half a star. This review. <laughs> this re <laughs> You can't even read it. I can't even do it. It's just, it's the, it's the first, this review may contain spoilers. That's what does it for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh that gets me yeah that's pretty good marvel avengers bullshit dirt fucking terrible in all forms captain whitey 
<laughs> Captain Whitey, Tomlinson Man, Iron Man's, Ant Man's, Fucking Man's, Whatever Woman, Wonder Woman, The Fucking Iron Giant, Just Stay Home. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> He's a filmmaker. Sorry to spoil Endgame for y'all. Yeah, there's, a- there's Ant-Mans involved. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, plural. Um, we do have a couple middle-of-the-road reviews that I, I found. Uh, one is for a film from 1988 called Casual Sex. I don't know the movie. I just know that Uwe Boll, uh, I got a boner watching this. Nice movie, all caps. So that is something... Uh, I hate to go back, but... Does does he just like to force women to do things? I think so. He'd, he'd rather be watching porn. Yeah, it seems that way. A lot of his reviews are like, I wanted to see more boobs. Like, just, you don't, you don't have to get them here. You, you just don't know, like, where Uwe Boll the troll ends and where the actual human being begins. Maybe they're one and the same. Uh, Three-star review here for Gotti. It just says Travolta. Sure. Super Mario Brothers from 1993. Uh, flesh, clean, air, water, while mammals roam free in the other dimension. I've emphasized the, the words in all caps. Don't ask me what that means. That's I like that, that weird fucking, uh, yeah. I love the woman in blue. Yes, it yes. Was, I was it was the magic, <laughs> happy, happy, or the, the majestic magic happy meal. The hot happy meal. This is from the uh, late era of Uwe Boll's reviews, where he started to become more experimental. We call it his uh, Mario period. Uh, he just kind of did a more freeform style. So that's pretty much it for like the lower end into the middle end of the spectrum. Like I said, most of these are either half-star or five-star reviews. I'm very excited so, to hear what he thinks is great. Yeah, well, I have a couple five-star reviews here. Let's, let's see. I guess th- the best way is just to tell you some of the films that he thought we're worthy of five stars. Yes, there definitely. Are, there are some things that you would actually... Um, yes, I, I totally agree. Uh, Terminator 2, five stars. He just wrote perfect, and yes, it's not okay. a hot take, So, but yeah. yes, I agree. Good job. That's about I, as good as it gets. I hate that I agree with Uwe Boll on something. Uh, Batman? Commando? Commando? Yeah, Wait, okay. did you say Batman? <laughs> the original. The, yes, yeah, but the he Michael fucking King hates... Batman. He hates comic book movies. What the fuck? I guess that one did it right. That's that that is that is the comic book movie that. Yeah, that kicked it all off. Really? I mean, Superman, but that one really helped make it all happen. I mean, it's not like we can expect him to be consistent with anything based no. on his storytelling. Uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, which I hell yeah, big fan. Yeah. Five stars dope. might be pushing it, but uh, it's a great movie. I enjoy it. Sideways. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, that one. That one stands out. What a f- little fucking weirdo. Yeah. A lot of the rest is like a, a bunch of direct-to-DVD shit that I've never heard of. And uh, what, was the, what was the combination of words that you really enjoyed from Dream Warriors? It was the mass psychosis. Uh, a mellow mass hysteria. Mellow mass hysteria. Thank you. I have the inverse of that because there is a, an animated film in his five-star reviews that I've never heard of. And it is the most unenjoyable sequence of words i think i've ever spoken aloud gum nuts a juicy tail (laughs) i feel icky (laughs) apparently a 2007 australian animated adventure film it's not a porn i i first i thought this is 
but no, but like it was so, it was so disorienting because I can see the name, the title of the film, and also the thumbnail, which is like I don't know, they're like foxes or squirrels or some shit. I, I don't really know. I just I'm I'm gonna say it and try not to get gum nuts, a juicy <laughs> tail. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Man, that that took my breath away a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I'm gonna need a shower after this one. Gonna just gonna need to go hose down. So, is it a bunch of that? Like, like some genuine, like, yes, five star movies, some random ass hot take picks, and then a bunch of shit. Maybe he just is friendly with someone on the cast or the director, or I don't know, maybe just hit him just right. I don't know. But the vast majority of his five star reviews are for his own movies. He, God he reviews damn his it. own. <laughs> he likes to fucking review his own ass- movies. He is like a fucking alpha chat asshole. Like, yes. Uh, we have uh, Rampage President Down here from 2016. Well, let's, let's do this chronologically. So 2014, Rampage Capital Punishment. Five stars. Yes. Again, this is an Uwe Boll film that he is reviewing. The director, he is a sexy. Let me count the ways. He has a chiseled physique. He is really smart, and he is really cool. He is easy to talk to. He loves his fans, and he loves a pussy. He puts a lot of action explosions in his movies, and unlike, say, Michael Flaccis Penis, yes, not Flaccid, Flaccis Penis Bay, he makes movies with a message and political spectrum. Got a 112 likes on that bad boy. Are they all from different accounts that he made? <laughs> right. <laughs> I guess we'll just follow that up with uh, Rampage President Down from 2016. Again, sequel to his own movie that he also This filmed. director has a chiseled uh, physique. Uh, the story of Bill Williamson is alive in this third chapter of, oh, this is the end. So maybe we're missing a rampage. I, I guess I didn't do my diligent research. It is kind of difficult. Like I said, it, he's gone. He's been scrubbed off there. It's just like putting together screenshots that people took. Um, and also I have to, I have to thank the YouTube channel, I Hate Everything, and uh, their video, Uwe Boll's Crazy Letterbox Reviews, which I pulled some of this from and I highly recommend. This has taken my breath away and like not a, not a fun like, Take my breath away. Way? Yeah, no, just like, like you feel just your faculties failing you. I, I feel vaguely nauseated for reasons I don't understand. <laughs> you don't feel alive? Because the story of Bill Williamson is alive in this third chapter of sexy director Uwe Boll's own boyhood trilogy. This time, the film is awesome and you will see it. This film is awesome and you will see it. That's a threat. That's not a review. <laughs> it's a goddamn threat. I mean, based on his... Uh, Based on his conduct online, yes, I would say that it is. I mean, I think I've, I don't know, I think we've had enough here, but that's to just to give you a sense of Uwe Boll the man. He is a character. I have, I chose these carefully because there are plenty of reviews that uh, I wouldn't want to read on our show. Yeah. We get into some serious, like, dredges of humanity, like, really just homophobic bullshit and, uh, I'm not down with that. Well, at one point he says Captain Whitey, and that was close to... Ugh, yeah, and that's, that's how he felt about Endgame. Just imagine how he might feel about, say, Captain Marvel. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that. Yeah, that really, that really takes us to a fun place, huh? To end episode <laughs> <on>. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay. I guess we, I could try and maybe to just, like, put a... to sandwich it. Yeah, let's sandwich one. Some people like this film. They're out there. I found them on IMDb. 
I don't think they're just, I mean, there are like some 10 star reviews and they, a lot of people specifically wrote, like, I don't actually think this is a 10 star movie, but I'm trying to balance out all the one stars that are being overly critical. Sure. Yeah. Um, just, just give me one, one 10 star review that seems sincere and then we'll move into housekeeping. Yeah. I really, I, I have, I guess, two quick paragraphs I would like to share. I didn't pull any 10 star reviews because those weren't the good ones. Here's a nine star review. This is an insane take. Nine out of ten. Not the best movie ever, but better than a Van Damme flick. Okay. This is not the best movie ever. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, from Killa Forty, Killa Forty Two, written January Thirteenth, Two Thousand Six. This is not the best movie ever, but it was better than any recent Van Damme movies. The reason that a lot of people push and go out of their way to say that such movies as this suck are because they would rather the film have a large, muscle-bound man without a shirt as the star than an attractive woman. I think that those people are very sexist. Huh. That's adorable. This is, this is the problem that we ha like. This is why we didn't like the movie. We're, you and I are clearly we're showing our sexism here. We just can't handle the female protagonist. Right. The reason we didn't like the movie is because we're sexist. It's not the fact that the movie itself is sexist. Sure. It's, it's wild to see that take because like, like most of the most negative reviews are fans of the game and the character Rain. And they're like, what did you do to the, my beloved character? Yeah. Why you did, did you, her dirty? <laughs> what did you do to my beautiful girl? <laughs> um, all right. I think this kind of sums it up. This is, so this is a six out of 10. From ZZMTJS, I don't know, I'm going to like glitch out trying to read this, this YouTube sure. name. Sure, yeah, makes sense. Six out of ten, I vegetated to this very well. <laughs> <laughs> Me too! <laughs> I mean, that is how I felt. It kind of, like, watching this movie, it felt like when I had just gotten out of surgery and I was, like, on a lot of painkillers and, like, yeah. I'm observing things around me. But nothing. I have no investment in them. They're just sort of, like, washing over me. I can't really, like, engage with them. And there's just, like, this dull, uncomfortable sensation lingering beneath all of the sort like of... A, like a weird, a weird distance. conscious astral projection sort of thing. Yeah. Um... This movie has very good cast. Yeah, take Ben Kingsley, Michael Madsen, Kristana Loken. Acting alone is worth 7 or 8 out of 10. Visual effects are worth 9 to 10. Nope. Plot and everything else doesn't matter. And no point of this movie did I feel any... <laughs> Sorry. And <laughs> uh. no point of this movie did I feel any mental pain or thought, I can't watch this. I give this movie six purely on its merits of not giving me any thoughts or feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I this can't movie, do it. This uh, movie made look, me feel nothing, so six out of ten. <laughs> Looking back on my comment, it, would, it could seem as a negative statement about the movie, but it's not. If you're tired after work but don't want to go to sleep yet because there is a lot of shit on your mind, this, this movie could be the perfect solution. So, so he's recommending this film as like anti-anxiety medication, you know, if you need to shut your brain off, go ahead and watch some blood rain. You know, it's better than counting sheep. Oh uh, God. Maybe. God damn that. That was very, very funny. So yeah, we have our takes. There are other takes out there. So, you know, don't take it from us. Take it from Uwe Boll. Go see it for yourself. No, but actually, don't, no, don't, don't do no, that. Don't, please, we're please. not. No, I uh, am not sourcing this one at all. Yeah, not sourced. Uh, if that were, if that wasn't clear, no. The opposite of sourced. 
I Which honestly, would, I guess be forced, but don't force it either. Just get out of there. Run. Di- far, divor- far divorce. Away. Divorce. Div- <laughs> divorce. That's good. Yeah. Can you divorce yourself from the existence of this goddamn film? It makes me want to divorce myself from. Yeah. Just engaging with any movie ever again. I'm, I'm done. Just pack it up. We're done. No more movies. No more games. I'm going to just go watch grass grow. Paint dry. Paint dry. Just live in the moment. I'm going to be a monk in a monastery. Don't do that. They're in there. That's where she goes. <laughs> that's where they keep the eye. She'll find you in the weird monastery with a Celtic cross, even though it's in Romania. Um, ugh, fuck housekeeping guys. Uh, it is November and it's our first annual November. So please, please let us know what, what are your favorite or least favorite vampire IPs, projects, media books, music uh movies video games uh at source not found pod at gmail.com at our instagram source not found pod uh our discord server source not found podcast uh we're on patreon you want to like i don't know support us financially in any way shape or form that shout out tier is still there for the taking there for the taking and we're only like currently two being months taken currently being taken we're only like two months out from starting patreon specific and uh, exclusive content and right now that shout out here belongs directly to Susie dags and jacob spintel friendship brandon what are you doing twitch we're doing november here on source not found i'm doing november over on twitch we're gonna have a little bit of overlap next up if you want to play along with us we're doing everyone's favorite castlevania Castlevania 64, the high point of the series from what I'm told. I will be definitely playing along with you yeah. because I have to. <laughs> you know, I say that I actually, this was my first Castlevania. We'll talk about that next yeah. time. But, uh, and I thought it was very cool as a kid. I'm revisiting it and we're going to talk about it. So I'll be playing that over there and um, I'm going to be doing some other vampire games the rest of the month when we're done with Castlevania. We won't be doing them here on this show, but if you want to see some uh, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines and who knows, I'm, should I just get into some blood rain now? Should I revisit? No, no, no sorry. I don't, just, yeah. no, you don't deserve, don't, don't do that to yourself. I can't. If a bowl just like, he just, yeah. But guys, thank you. Thank you so much as always for your support, for listening. Uh, I know this episode was a little more chaotic than normal because yikes bikes, what we got into, but as always, don't forget to check your toilet for Freddy Krueger and keep an eye out for any white vans with clowns. <laughs>